morning as our special this morning. Second Kings, great special, great choir special. Also, thank Brother Norman and Miss Barbara leading our music. They always do a fabulous job. I was 
taking a gander at the uh, weekly announcements in the bulletin. Whew. We're eating next Sunday morning. That's awesome. That's awesome. I always look for Baptist preacher doesn't like to eat. Something's wrong with him. Okay. Don't. don't it's kind of like uh, Karen had a sign in her kitchen one time. Never trust a skinny cook. Okay. And so never trust a Baptist preacher. Doesn't like to eat. Okay. Something's something's the matter there. So I always pick at us and say something about chicken. There's an old uh, uh, story about uh, preachers liking chicken. And uh said one time, make a long story short, this is the olden days back whenever they didn't, couldn't, there wasn't any money to pay them, really. So they would feed them, give them some food and some groceries. Matter of fact, where I used to pastor in Texas, uh they did that. He was a halftime preacher. If you don't know what that is, see me after church. And uh, it doesn't mean he had two jobs, but uh but pastored two different churches. Um uh, I said, little boy was waiting, had killed the hen, the chicken, whatever, waiting to eat. And uh, that chicken, I mean, excuse me, that preacher ate all the chicken. And uh, yes, all of a sudden the rooster crowed and, and just, ur, 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 and that preacher said, man, that sure is a, a fine-sounding rooster. Boy, he just fine-sounding. That little boy said, well, he ought to be real proud his son just entered the ministry. <laughs> Literally. And uh, so, that preacher done ate all the bird. And we need to pray, really and truly, seriously, that God, I know that God is calling men to preach, but we need to pray that men would respond to the Holy Spirit. If God is working on somebody in this room. I talked to Trey or myself. Matter of fact, uh, I was in Sunday school class and I'd already had the conversation about uh, Danny surrendering to preach. And Danny Kelly preached his last uh, first sermon last Sunday. So pray for him. Lift him up in prayer. And uh, that God's men would preach the word. Second Kings chapter 2, let's all stand. Uh, thank you for being here. Your patience this morning. Second Kings chapter two, verse fourteen. The word of God says this, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, "Where is the Lord God of Elijah?" And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the ones that took the time to be here this morning. I know that we do and definitely live in a busy time. Everybody is so busy. Help us to give you more time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Simply, the water, the well, and the welcome. We've got a transition here. The last time I spoke on this subject, we had the, the fiery chariot. And matter of fact, I mentioned that. We cranked up the fiery chariot. It had a hemi in it, okay? And all of a sudden, it swooped down and took 
Elijah home. Don't confuse them. I've, I've done it all my life. Elijah's first and Elisha is second. He is the successor, the one who follows up Elijah in his ministry. And that's basically what we have here. In one commentator, he says, there's a definite time where you see somebody take on the ministry and Elisha took this ministry and he knew that he had been called by God to do this. Now, we've got some very interesting things that happen right off the bat to Elisha. And so we want to get after it. A lot of hurdles. Matter of fact, uh, one writer said this. Uh, the first is a uh, public acknowledgement. He calls it the sons of the prophets. Now, these basically were like Bible students or seminary students, the ones who wanted to learn the Word of God, hear from the Word of God, maybe following the footsteps of these men in whatever manner. And then you've got uh, two other times where you've got a public request for mercy and then one of judgment. And we'll take a quick look at this uh, this morning. First of all, the water. <clears throat> what, and I can just imagine here, as we look to this, it, and as, as he went up here, if you back up, when Elisha saw, in verse 12, saw Elijah go up into heaven, he said, My father, my father. Now, there had been a request made. He said, Now, if you, I want a double portion of your spirit, which is like saying a spiritual inheritance. Now, physically, the firstborn received a double portion of his father's estate over the rest of the children. Now, that was in the law of Moses, and that was a... Uh, had a spiritual analogy to it. But here, all Elisha asked for is he asked for a double portion, not of money, but of his spirit. Basically, a spiritual inheritance here, okay? And as he looks here, he sees him go up in the mantle, which was like a garment wore by prophets, uh, a, a cloak, if you will, over everything else that was typical of the attire, the... the uh, uh, Wearing the clothing, there we go, the clothing of a prophet. And so he says, now if you see me go, then you will have a double portion. So he sees him go and he cries out to him, my father, my father. His father in the ministry just took off. And guess what? It's all yours now. Now many of you, your parents have either gone on to be with the Lord or maybe they're at a point, as a matter of fact, we were in the nursing home, and there was this, uh, they had an advertisement on the wall, and then a, a flyer about role reversal whenever the children have to parent the parents. And it's talking about taking care of them, you know, at the, toward the end of their life. And which is very biblical, it's in the Bible and what on, so on and so forth. But... <clears throat> There, there comes a point in time where you're on your own. Now, your parents may be alive, but, alive, but you're on your own. You have to call the shots, and folks, when you make decisions, you have to live with them or, or learn from them. 
live with them or learn. And, and all of us have been there. And here's Elisha, and he's about to be out on his own. He takes the mantle. Matter of fact, it's falling. It's floating down. He gets it. He walks to the water, and he says, Where is the God of Elijah? Where's He at? And he says, I need to know that you're with me. Folks, one of the greatest things that you can ever have in your life is to know that God is with you. That's one of the greatest comforts you can ever have in your life. Matter of fact, let's look at these scriptures real quick. Do a quick run through. And in uh, Genesis uh, 35 and 39, these are really good. And then Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to go ahead and grab these two and then head to Joshua chapter 1. There we go. And we'll knock out these. Take a look at these. Now, Genesis 35 and verse 3. He said, And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Matter of fact, if you want to do a neat study, if you have the Bible on your phone, and you just, and especially if you've learned how to do a search, uh, you can do a search, was with me, or with me. And uh, just any of those, that phrase right there, and it's amazing. I just gave you a smidgen of what's in the Bible when you look up that phrase. And then if you keep looking in uh, Genesis 39, and verse is three times, 2, 21, and 23. And the Lord was with. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And then look at verse 21. And the Lord, but the Lord, was with Joseph. And verse 23, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. Now, I won't take the time to look up all the others because I want to jump quickly to Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Which is a matter of fact, if you look at the whole context there, this is one of the greatest reassurings to know that God is with you. And it says in Hebrews 13, at the end of that verse, it says, The Lord will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's with you. Now, matter of fact, uh, <clears throat> My dad and I were visiting like we do every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. He called me up, and he said uh, he was went to a funeral, and it was uh, in this church. as a Baptist church that believed you could lose your salvation. And really, you know, it says uh, that, that has to be scary to, to think that you could be, that you could lose your salvation. The thing is that... There's other denominations that believe that. I've never found anybody in the world that can tell me that believe that. How many sins it takes to lose your salvation. Or, I've never met somebody that believed that, that got saved the second time the same way they got saved the first time. It's always different. That's very interesting. Uh, if you ever do a study on that, to come up with that, folks... 
whenever we look at this water here, there's one thing I know. When Elijah took that uh, mantle and formed it into a way that he could strike that water, he knew that God was with him. When that water parted, it, I mean, and how many times have we seen the water part in the in the Bible? So many times with Moses, with the children of Israel going over with the ark, and now here again, just so on and so forth, Jesus walking on the water, Jesus calming the water. So many miracles concerning water that God has control over the elements. Why? Because He made them. <laughs> he made them. He can do with them as He wants. So the water, what does it represent? Number one, or the parting of it, that God was with him. Now let's take a quick look at the well. Now, just back to our text in 2 Kings chapter 2. And as we keep reading, and it says here in verse 16, I'll just read on through. And they said unto him, Behold now, there be with me thy servants, fifty strong men. Let them go. We need to look out and see, is, is Elijah okay? He said, the Lord took him on to heaven. He's not anywhere around. He don't go searching for him, but they went anyway. And uh, verse 17, they urged him till he was ashamed. They said, okay, send. They sent therefore fifty men, sought him three days, found him not. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, did I not say unto you, go not? And the men of the city said unto Elisha, behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord seeth, but the water is not, in other words, is worthless, and the ground barren. And he said, bring me a new cruise or a brand new pitcher, if you will, and put salt in it. And they brought it to him. And he went forth unto the spring of the waters and cast the salt in there and said, thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters and there shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. Now, which is interesting, because there is still to this day, right outside of Jericho, a spring that's still good, still running. Many people believe it's the same spring that Elisha healed. We can't prove it or disprove it. So the, the spring is there. But looking at this right here, you know what I see in looking at this well today? We live in a day where the water is tainted. The water of our culture, the water of our times, the water of what we call right and wrong, the water of sin. And many, I mean, and basically the new cruise represents I'm the new man on the block. I'm the new prophet. I'm the new guy. Bring me a brand new one. I'm a new vessel. Matter of fact, did you know when you got saved, the Bible made you, excuse me, God made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're a brand new vessel. God can take the old vessel, the old uh, clay, if you will, reform it, reshape it. The Bible says you become a, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now I want to ask you, how many of you are willing to be put to work by the Lord, to willing to say, I'll not only, and then Jesus, and I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus is telling the Sermon on the Mount. He's smack dab in the middle of His ministry, and He says, You are not only the light of the world, but you're the salt of the earth. And if you look at it here, 
What is normally salt does not make water better. And but here we know that it represents a preserving quality, a cleansing quality. Now I want to ask you: Are the way you live your life? Are you bringing salt and light? Are you bringing healing? Are you bringing a, 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 a new way of looking? Are you do you just live your life the way other people live it? Do you make decisions the way other people make them? Do you talk like other people talk? Live like other people live? Sin, immorality, compromise. We don't know what's right and wrong anymore. And I put that right in the text in uh, Matthew 5.13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, in other words, in a Bible manners and customs class, it's very... They didn't have uh, salt shakers back then. They they would have big old blocks of salt, basically like a look like a rock, but it's salt. And they would take it in whatever shape or form that it might be, and they would put it. And many times they would store it on the ground, and they would go over there and chip off a little salt for whatever purpose they needed, whether it be for cooking or preserving or putting meat up or whatever the case may be. And sooner or later, that salt would drift on down to the dirt and it would be contaminated. And said, if the salt has lost its savor, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be trodden. They would throw it out in the street. Fix a pothole with it or whatever. It's, it's worthless anymore. If salt has lost its savor, in other words, it's contaminated. But many of us live contaminated lives that we've lost our, our, our saltiness, if you will. We don't have that preserving quality in our life anymore. Why? Because of sin. Sin taints lives. Who wants to drink filthy water? You know, many times we say, everybody's doing it. There's nothing wrong with doing this. And, or people say, I'm not hurting anybody. Matter of fact, many times we make excuses instead of obe- being obedient. I got, to, I got tickled. I was just dying laughing. Uh, this year's AYC, Arkansas Youth Conference, was uh, the theme... Any young people here remember the theme of AYC? Besides Caleb? Anybody here? Yes, back there. Brooke, what was, the, what was the theme? No excuses. That's right, Brooke. Very good. A plus. And uh, Caleb, he wore his AYC t-shirt to school one day. He might have wore it several times. I don't know. Anyway, he was standing in front of his teacher, and he was wearing that shirt, making excuses. And the teacher's just looking at his shirt. And he said, what? Oh, (laughs) no excuses. Well, that's the way many of us are going to be before the Lord one day. You keep living your life the way you're living it. All I hear is excuses. I guess this. I guess that's my second title. Here comes Brother Michael. Let's give him an excuse. 
Why? Just, just the office I represent. People will give an excuse. Well, as I say, it's a reason. Or there's a big difference between a reason and an excuse. But folks, don't excuse sin. Don't excuse what needs to be fixed in your life. Do business with God this morning if you have to. Do business. Come to the altar. Pray. Pour your heart out. Don't be ashamed. Too many of us We'll, we'll, would rather be ashamed before God than before people. We let pride keep us from giving our whole heart and life to Him. The next part, verse 23 and 24. I'm still back in 2 Kings. Now, so He healed the waters and the waters were healed. Thank the Lord. And, well, He left there and He's headed to Bethel. Okay, that's what it says. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children. Now, this literally means young men. These are probably teenagers to 18, 19, 20 years old. And uh, that's what it means. Just young people that, young people, out of the city and mocked him and set up unto him, Go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. So, this is not meaning that we should not pick on bald-headed people. So if uh, you're missing hair and your hair follicles are not cooperating this morning, you can go to this Scripture and use it if you want to. Don't make fun of bald people. Man, a bear will come out of the woods and get you. And I don't know if y'all know it, but there's plenty of black bears in these woods. So two things they were making fun of. And by the way, these were, again, not little children and matter of fact, you look at the number of them, it had become, it had swelled to a mob. It had become a mob, uh, and the numbers were swelling, and the two reasons, now, you could say, well, he was bald, that's what, but also, if you look at the history of it, the bald head represents unclean, and the, the lepers a lot of times would shave, which represent a sinful, filthy man, so they were not, they weren't just making fun of his lack of hair. They were saying he was no good, dirty, leper, and outcast. And when he said, go up, that means, get on out of here. Get, I mean, many of y'all know what that means, especially if you're dealing with a dog. Y'all know exactly what that means. Get on out of him. <laughs> and that's what they were saying to him. He said, I heard that your boss went on up into heaven. Why don't you just go right on up? We don't want your kind around here. And they made fun of him, and they mocked him. And folks, it's like this. They weren't in Elijah, excuse me, Elisha, really. I mean, if he's like me and most preachers, you know, you know, come at me. Mess with me. But don't mess with my God. Don't mess with my family. And that's what Elisha's saying here. This is why he called the bear out of the woods and cursed them to die death. Is because they were publicly defaming his God. And looking at this, of course, and he turned back. Finally, after the mob swelled, they were after him and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. And he went from thence to Mount Carmel and returned to Samaria. 
This tells me and shows you here this morning that they lived in a day, Elijah and Elisha, they lived in a day where there was no respect for the Word of God. There was no respect. And it wasn't that Elisha was trying to say, "Don't I'm a preacher, you know who I am? It wasn't that. Is that they were living in a society that was totally, totally against God. Total rebellion. And really, it served two purposes. Number one, to protect Elisha and show that he was serving the real God. There was no difference in that and those 850 prophets that died that day on Mount Carmel. He said, see who's the real God. And the people killed them. He said, you need to repair the altar of the Lord that's broken down. Is there, because of these scriptures, all of these scriptures represent their sin in homes and there's lack, people just don't care anymore. That's the society that they were living in. And I think that's the society we're living in. There's a lack of respect or, for God or the Word of God. For, I mean, it's a trivial thing. It's just an extra. It's something to do on Sunday morning, but to never be brought up again because there's a lack of concern. It's not about the preachers but about the God they represent. About the Word, this Bible. You can burn this book right here. Burn it up. But you cannot destroy the Word of God. It's, His Word's going to bide forever. What about you in your life? Are you living a life pleasing to Him? As we get ready for a hymn invitation... You bow for a word of prayer at this time. Father, I thank you for this time that we've had this morning. And Father, I pray that people's hearts would turn to you this morning. That we would not let sin or lack of concern hinder us from giving our whole heart to realize the importance of living for You, of standing for You. And Father, I pray that You would convict whoever may be here that's never been saved and they've never trusted You as their personal Savior. May they do that today. In Jesus' name, Amen.